Hello and good morning. This is Hilda. It's about, um, let me see, it's about 5.21 a.m. Um, again, I couldn't sleep. It's a Sunday morning. Uh, if you remember, uh, I think it was my last podcast. I said I had recorded something. I did a podcast and I found out that it didn't record well. I sort of got off bed thinking that I should uh, I should redo that and um, I'll try and be I'll try and recall most of what I said in that one. Um, if you have not been listening, my name is Hilda. I'm a relationship enthusiast. I'm a podcaster. I'm a storyteller and agony aunt and a relationship enthusiast. My particular interest is in Nigerian relationships. My definition of relationship covers dating and marriage. Why marriage would you say? Well, marriage is a relationship, a legal relationship. So that's my definition of relationship. It includes marriage. Okay, enough said. All right, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Niger wives and the maid. Yes. As I do every now and then, you know, I usually like to go back in time. You know, when something, an issue or problem or a challenge stares you at the face, stares you in the face, uh, sometimes you have to do a retro. Uh, look at where it started, um, how it happened, and then it will help you to forge a possible solution, you know, to it. So let's go back in time, hundreds of years ago in uh, Nigeria. Frankly, there was slavery everywhere, all over the world, even in Africa. There was slavery even long before, long before the Portuguese came in 14-something, the 14th century. Nigeria, parts of Nigeria had some caste system which some people were deemed, doomed to be, deemed and doomed actually, to be slaves. And, um, you know, their job was just basically to serve others. They were used as a means of exchange. They were used as labor, etc., etc. Okay? Now we move on to semi-modern times. We move on to a period... Uh, I believe just something like um, maybe in the 30s or thereabouts, in the 1930s. Uh, we've moved away, Nigeria had moved away from the point where um, women were uh, segregated against, where they were looked as chattel more or less, and they were not allowed to have equal rights with men. They could not vote, they could not do lots of things. And we moved past that and moved to the time when the girl child, the Nigerian girl child, was uh, allowed to go to school like her male counterpart. And we move on forward again past that period to the time she's now an educated woman, where we've started having the likes of, uh, you know, Alele Williams. We've started having professors, first professors, first engineer, first lady, accountant, we moved to that period and that's where I'm particularly interested. Now the Nigerian woman 
would have started earning her own money. Hitherto, she had to rely on her husband. And uh, sometimes her, her, her father's family to, you know, take care of her, give her money every now and then and do one or two things for her. So she was basically totally dependent on her husband and um, her wider family. But when the woman, the Nigerian woman, started to go to school and earn her own money, it meant increasingly over time that she spent a lot of time away from the home. And um, at some point, the chores in the house would, and the children, and definitely her husband, would have suffered from her absence. So something had to give, you know, there had to be a stopgap arrangement where the house chores would not suffer, the children would not suffer, husband would not suffer, and there would be somebody to take care of, you know, running around. And uh, at the same time, the woman would fulfill her dreams to be this independent, independent woman who was also contributing her quota, you know, to the family. It initially started with family members, um, some of these women or their husbands sometimes would go back to the village and ask for the child of a relative to come and live with them with the promise that the child would be educated. You know, that as we say in Nigeria, you know, we go help you train what, whosoever the child is. Sister, just leave it to me. I'll train her. You know, she'll go to school and all that. And uh, a lot of times, these city people would keep these children and basically turn them into housemaids, what Yoruba people call omodo. What in Nigeria we use the word house girl. We don't really use too much of housemaid. We say house girl and house boy, you know, so you get the idea. So anyway, so lots of these children left the villages and came to the cities to work with their relatives and many of them didn't get any get didn't get the education that was promised. In some cases, some of the couples would say, okay, we can't send you to school, but maybe you learn tailoring or hairdressing or something. And anyway, by and large, what I'm trying to say is that um, lots of children who left the village didn't get what they promised, didn't get what they were promised. And so it's possible that um, it did happen. Lots of them would find a way to communicate with their parents to complain. So some of these parents, of course, would, would ask their children to be returned. And then uh, that was how slightly the, the use of family members begin to wane, although it still happens, but it has reduced a bit. So to replace that family member, um, the business of getting uh, maids, housemaids through agents started. Uh, some other stranger would walk into the village and convince parents to release their children to work for a while, usually like a period of a year and ask that, you know, they would, yeah, whatever salary they would get, the agent would get a portion of it as his agency fee, and the parents would be getting the money. Of course, by all of this time, there's economic downturn, inflation, and all what not, what not. So the parents began to agree reluctantly. I mean, they just looked at it. One year is not too long. Um, the money would go towards taking care of the family and all of that, and that's how that started, and it's still around. On the side of the woman, this professional, independent Nigerian woman who is working or has her own business, um, housework 
the place of housework in our life, you know, continue to nosedive. It just seemed like a waste of time. I'm sorry this history lesson is taking rather long today, but I just want us to have a basis, to have a background of how it all started and how it is actually very difficult for a modern Nigerian woman to do without a housemaid or house girl. Um, anyway, what we find in our homes now is that the house girl has such a strong foothold in the house because um, the woman leaves the house for oh, several hours. She leaves very early and comes back very late. And the, the norm, I mean, the way it is these days, uh, the house girl is the housekeeper, she is the security guard, she is the doctor when mom's not around, she's uh, the kid's friend, she's their nanny, she's a deputy cook, in fact she's the cook. The house girl has so many duties that one would, one would just wonder how one person would be able to do all of this. Oh, she's also the washing machine, I forgot to add that. She's the washing machine and the vacuum cleaner. So mom goes away, mom goes out, goes go to work, and the house girl takes over. Many a time, the house girl determines what junior and what daddy will eat when they get back from school and from work respectively. The house girl decides um, whether to, she, she basically takes a lot of decisions in the house. So I'm always surprised. When women get very offended that their husband is sleeping with the maid. You know what they say about um, a woman that feeds a man, a woman that serves a man, the power that that woman has, spiritually in quote and unquote, over that man. Okay, so you provided the money to go to the market and you directed comfort or Mary or blessing or whatever her name is. You directed her to buy this and that, told her where to go, how much to spend, blah, 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 blah. And you didn't cook the food. Okay, fine. You were too busy. You were too tired when you came. You didn't cook the food. And even though you didn't cook the food, you didn't serve the food. You didn't serve your husband because you weren't there. Really, what are you expecting? A lot of us sisters come back and discover that our nine-month-old child is walking. And then we're so excited. And comfort of blessing of Mary tells you that, ah, Mommy, Junior done the work since for three weeks, so. and you're like, you didn't know. I mean, we have to weigh these things. The way we, I, I'm not sure whether it's our laziness or our desire to have this uh, laissez-faire life. Um, we want to look like some celebrities that sit down and have pay people to do every single thing in the house. We need to get it right, and be focused on our role in the home. If the only job you have, or the only thing you owe your husband is just to produce children, then he might as well go pay for, uh, what do they call these, these moms, you know, pay for someone to have your, uh, your child, a child for him, if that's the only thing, or if your job is just to be the social wife when he has a nice outing, and it won't be appropriate for him to attend the outing without your wife. You just look pretty and go along with him, you know. So the house girl has taken, she has just basically taken over a lot of homes. 
I read somewhere, I was reading this book, something about, um, it wasn't the Jewish code, but it had something to do about the, you know, the customs and the faith of the Jewish people. And I was very, um, I was very uh, surprised to find out that the honor that is given to the bedroom of a married couple is out of this world. The bedroom of a married couple, of a Jewish married couple, is giving the respect that the altar of God is given. Nobody is expected to go in there. It's like this place is a covenant, the bed is a covenant place, it's an altar. It's so holy and intruders are not allowed. It's the same way, I guess, uh, members in those biblical time, members of the congregation were not allowed to go beyond the point. So if the bedroom, the, the bedroom is so holy, um, why do we continuously, consistently allow these meats to come into this holy place and defile it? Some of us, um, I didn't say you should wash the bedsheet. I mean, that can be sorted out. But some of us ask the meats to come into our bedrooms. They come in and clean the, the bathroom and toilet. They sweep the floor and mop it or whatever. And you can imagine... Even when we are not there, because some of us don't lock our rooms. We let the maids come in and do whatever. So it's like you're spiritually allowing a third party to gain ground in your marriage. You get some strong foothold. So why do you complain when things start to go awry? When your maid begins to get rude because she's sleeping with Oga? Some of you give your husband's boxer shorts to your maid to wash. And I am just wondering. How in God's name will your maid be washing your husband's boxer shorts? And she won't be thinking of what goes inside of it. <laughs> I don't know how that will work. She washes your husband's vest. She knows how he smells. She knows the size of his vest. She can tell that this is daddy's vest and this is junior's vest. And you are just sitting pretty somewhere in your office not knowing what's going on. So, at a point, do we sit back and think about how much more your maid is a wife? How much more your maid is a mother than you? Yes, I know. I mean, we all want to live the local, local vida, you know. We want to have a cook and a gardener. We want to have uh, someone come in and do our hair. And, but my question is, the way you are going about it, your daughter sees you, your son sees you. So what you are doing is you're raising another generation of women who will not get themselves involved in any chores in the house. And you're raising a generation of men who also expect that since the wife will not be available, it's even possible that the child knows that that has been so close to the maid. Who will do the same so let's think really deep i know because of time and um, even tiredness it might not be possible for you to do all the chores and combine it with you know being working or running your own business but we have to find a balance the day you said i do you said i do to a lot of things you promise to be there you promise to you know be his other half so think about this promise very well and think about how best you can uh, fulfill that promise to the best of your capabilities. 
I know it's not easy to do all of these things. So have a kind of strategy in place to make sure that the thought of mom, the thought of you, his wife, is always on the mind of your husband. If you cannot cook the meal, well, you can do one of two things. You can cook sometimes, you know, once in a while and make a big fuss about it so that your husband knows that you cook the food. Make a big fuss and let your mates just stand at the side. You, know, you can ask her to get this, get this, get that, get that, get that. Well, you cook the meal and you, every once in a while, it could be once one weekend or two weekends in a month, dedicate time to your husband. Money is not the only husband you have. As for your maid, I don't think you should let your maid clean the master's bedroom or the master's bathroom anymore. Do these things. Let your husband see you making some efforts to keep the matrimonial bed to be the matrimonial bed. Take your time. Spend time with your children if you've got children. Okay? Try to find out what's going on in their lives as much as possible. You can make it a point of duty that once the children get back from school, they call you. You can have a chat with them. Or if you're so busy in meetings, you can send SMSs to them and all of that. You can leave little forget-me-not notes, you know, in your children's school boxes. You can, I don't know, send, write some mini prayers. But, you know, it's the person that the eye sees, that the mind remembers. It's just as simple as that. So work on leaving an impression on your family. Fight for that intimacy with them. Don't leave it all to a maid. Stop living as if you have the opportunity to have another family and get married over and over again. This life is just one life. And hopefully, your marriage will be your first and your last. But even if it isn't, if it's your second or third, Hey, who is counting? The essence of all this talk is just that you should change your modus operandi, your MO. Change the way you manage your home. You're very good at work or you're very good at your business. You know how you run it. But we don't see a lot of that playing out in our homes. We neglect our homes. We neglect ourselves too. As we're neglecting our homes, we're neglecting ourselves. Be more mindful of the way you relate with your husband. If you come back, for instance, if you come back before your husband, it would be nice for your husband to, to meet you about to serve his dinner or, you know, let him just realize that I came back and all I'm thinking about is you. Well, some men come home and they meet their wives rushing home to come and quickly watch her. Latest episode of um, Telemundo, one funny film like Why Women Cry or True Love. And then you just wonder. I mean, like I keep telling my children, I say that TV will be there till Jesus comes. All of these things that we do, we can go on YouTube and watch back editions of movies that we've missed. You know, take advantage of that time you have with your husband so that. Your maid doesn't have space. There is no room for her. Let it be that your husband thinks about you or he thinks about you in such a way that he doesn't have time to be looking at a maid. And some of you hire a maid that is so pretty, so beautiful. 
and you're thinking, do you think your husband is blind? Man is not blind. While your tummy is, your waist is 54, your hips are 90. Your maid has a 28 waist and she has a, her hips are maybe 42. And she's very shapely and you hired her and you're complaining. Well, for me as a person, I don't hire two pretty maids. I don't hire fair girls. And I don't hire girls that wear jeans. Yes, yes, I don't. If you wear pants, I'm sorry, this is both I don't like. If you wear pants, I can't hire you. And that's what I, that is my own code. I'm sorry. You know, I know that some men can be very weak, but should we help them get weaker? You know, these things are real. Especially if you've been too tired over the last few months to do your wifely duties. And he sees this girl that you are paying 20,000 naira or 15,000 naira. And she's always available, always bending over, always seeming to care for him. It's just a matter of time. And some of you even allow them to wear makeup. It's a contract. It's not slavery and it's not uh, segregation. It's just a simple contract. I mean, in some companies, before you start work, you sign a contract that you won't get pregnant for two years. So how is this different? It's simple. Um, whoever, Mary Blessing, whatever. Sorry, this, these are my rules. Do you abide by them? Don't do this, don't do that. And she says yes. And for the duration she's with you, you should stick to those things. She should have boundaries. I had a colleague who, who told me that she never even let her maid come upstairs, you know, in their home. She would always say the maid should stay downstairs. And she even made a uniform for the maid. I mean, well, you don't have to go to that extent. But what she was just trying to tell the maid was, you have a place in this house and there are boundaries you should not go beyond. Simple. So let's start to think about these things. Sit down and x-ray the way you manage your home and look for the best way, the safest way. So you will not put your, your husband or your children in trouble. Nobody will come into your home and kidnap your children or vandalize or steal, you know, uh, valuable property if you have not left, left your house open. And for God's sake, if you can afford it, why can't you have a CCTV installed in your home so you can see what's going on when you're not there? If your family means that much to you, why not? I mean, this is, this is the era of technology. We can actually help ourselves, you know. So that's my two bits for this morning. Um, don't be overly relaxed because you've got a maid or two. Talk to your children, try and get an idea of what goes on when you're not there. And if you're com uncomfortable at any point in time, get rid of the maid and get another one. And if it is possible, maybe you start to look for uh, a nanny to assist the maid. So the nanny will be like a housekeeper, a more mature woman. It's more difficult for a maid to be you know, asking your husband out if there's a third eye in the house. Anyway, Niger women, I have said my two bits for today. I hope I have added some value. And Niger men, if you listen to this, can you please share it with your wife? Um, I hope there will be some positive changes. And I hope you have a better, more fulfilling, more enriched marriage. As always... If you want to send me an email, you can send the email to hildersshoulder for you at gmail.com. The four is figure four and the U is letter U.
If you have um, downloaded Anchor, you can actually, there's a place called Voice Message that you can leave feedback for me. You can make a comment. You can complain. You can say, oh, why didn't you talk about this and talk about that? You can also visit our website. It's www.hildashoulder.com.ng. Hilda's shoulder is spelled H-I-L-D-A-S-H-O-U-L-D-E-R. And that's hildashoulder.com.ng. Okay, so this is the part where I say bye-bye till I chat with you again. Have a wonderful day.